Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. One of the things that makes college football so entertaining is opinions. And there's a lot of them. You know, we don't agree on where Cincinnati fits in the sports 2021 pecking order, uh, which conference is the best and, and second best and so forth. And if you don't agree with me, that, that doesn't make me right and you wrong or vice versa. It's just the way the ballet works. You know, you say A, I say I, ain't no big deal. But when somebody gripes, moans, and complains that there are too many bowl games, a record 44 this year, I believe, I just don't get it. You know, not as a sports better, not as a sports fan, not as a participant myself, uh, back in the day as sort of a, a weekend warrior. First of all, as a sports better, the larger the menu, the greater degree of selectivity. I mean, I can find more good buys with 44 choices than, say, with only 25 or 30. Secondly, you know, not that I watch every single second of every single game, but I still, you know, enjoy watching the sport. I enjoy watching guys make plays. I enjoy kind of the intricacies of the game, the smaller things, watching the line and so forth. And lastly, a lot of guys, especially guys who've never been in the arena, who've never competed in a sport, I don't think they understand the significance of an athlete getting to put the armor on one more time. You know, snap the chin strap on that old war bonnet just one more time. A lot of these young men, they're about to grad. They're not graduating to the NFL, guys. <laughs> A small percentage are going to the NFL. Most of these guys are graduating to the real world. You know, they're going to end up taking jobs in many cases where the camaraderie in that corporate break room uh, will be nowhere near will no, nowhere near match the camaraderie they feel in a college football locker room. So even if it's a pair of six and six teams, you know, matched in a seemingly meaningless midweek daytime bowl game sponsored by some company uh, that you and I have maybe never heard of, I think it's important to give these guys just one more taste of their glory days. You know, one last opportunity uh, to give their all to a mission bigger than themselves. Not necessarily because they had a great season, but just because. I'm Paul Stone, guys, and this is uh, episode 30 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Uh, those of you a little longer in the tooth, uh, you might remember a tele uh, television show. It probably started, I believe, in the 1970s, and I think it appeared... You know, I watched it in Dallas, being from the eastern part of the state of Texas, but I think it appeared 
in television markets throughout the U.S. Anyway, the show was called Bowling for Dollars. And while those guys and gals were trying to cash in by using a ball to knock over wooden pins, our charge is to pick you know, favorites or dogs, overs or unders, and ultimately cash in at the betting window in the business of laying 11 to get back 10. Hence, the title of today's podcast, you guessed it, Bowling for Dollars. Uh, but the last character, it's not a letter, uh, but rather a dollar sign. I'm kind of I'm kind of clever like that, so keep an eye on that. Uh, so in my opinion, you know, just looking at bowl games, a lot of college football handicappers, whether it be bowl games or regular season games for that matter, they give weight to a lot of fallacy, what I might call old wives' tales, if you will. You know, things like, Take the underdog in a rivalry game. Or, don't bet against LSU at Tiger Stadium at night. Folks, on the ladder since the start of the 2011 season, pretty good sample size, LSU is 36-35-2 against the spread at home. I don't have it broken down by kickoff time, but I seriously doubt there's much discrepancy in the Bayou Bengals' performance in the light of day in Baton Rouge versus how they play there when it's dark uh, and the natives are juiced up. So it's pretty much just coin flipping, you know, 36, 35, and 2. You know, sum it up this way. If the perception is that the time of day, etc., matters, and you know it, Then the bookmaker, you know, he knows it too. The line maker knows it too. But now to my point, handicapping bowl games is not the same. Again, I'll start over. Handicapping bowl games is not the same as handicapping regular season games. Even regular season games played at the very end, the tail end of a school's regular season schedule. First of all, you know, there's the motivational component. Uh, It is somewhat subjective. But you've got to determine who's truly excited to be uh, to be playing in the bowl game and who's merely going through the motions, hoping only to get the finish to the finish line of a season gone wrong. A season that probably didn't live up to uh, you know preseason expectations, if you will. You know, this element, uh, trying to gauge motivation, it's been in, been in play. Uh, for many years in handicapping college football bowl games. But I think even more so in recent years with the proliferation of bowl games. I mean, consider this. In 1990, there were 19 bowl games. There were only 25 bowl games in year 2000. And then it jumped up to 35 bowl games in year 2010. Again, this year... In season 2021, I believe we're scheduled to have 44 bowl games. And what this means, at least partially, is that the more inclusive the bowls are, the less some certain teams will want to be there. Because they were hoping, you know, they were hoping to contend for a spot in the 14 college football playoff, or at least a spot in a New Year's Six Bowl. And here they are sitting at, you know, seven and five or six and six. Their season has fallen well below the goals they had set for themselves. 
but they're having to play one more game, a game they really don't want to play. And in some cases, they're going to be matched against a team whose motivational level is much higher. Uh, And that motivational level is perhaps much higher because this team hadn't played in a bowl game in quite some time. And on top of that, they are perhaps the smaller team from the smaller conference. I think if a person even has a cursory knowledge of the 2021 college football season, they can make a list of teams that they believe to be, you know, happy where they are, you know, happy that they're in a bowl game, and then another list of teams who would rather be spending, uh, you know, that part of their Christmas break maybe in Aruba or Costa Rica or some other warm weather uh, destination selling fun in the sun. But that's, again, that's been part of the, the bowl game handicapping equation for some time, you know, who's motivated, who's not motivated. Uh, and uh, it will continue to be. And I think, again, with more bowl games, it becomes even more evident, more prominent, and more a component that we need to be sure and investigate uh, closely. Now to a few uh, elements that are relatively new to the bowl handicapping process, and these should certainly be at the top of your list, in my mind anyway, when you're looking at bowl games. Two of these... uh, terms that I'm going to use we hadn't even heard of five years ago in relation to college football. And those terms are one, the transfer portal, and two, opting out of the bowl game. Uh, The third element that I want to talk about uh, in addition is the coaching carousel, which is very active this season. Uh, And now more, you know, more significantly, I guess, if you will, affects the bowl schedule as a whole, uh, more than ever. And and that's due to another change in college football. So let's go in reverse order and start with the coaching carousel. You know, starting with Clay Helton's September dismissal at USC, there have been 28 coaching changes by my count during this cycle. To compare, you know, compare that to last year, of course, last year was the COVID season. And I think some coaches probably benefited from a dose of leniency uh, maybe got an extra year to write the ship that they wouldn't have in ordinary seasons, but they did nonetheless. This year, 28 coaching changes, and there's still time for more, but only 18 coaching changes last year in season 2020. So 56% more changes this cycle than last, uh, and again, uh, still time for more. Uh, the relatively new signing period in mid-December, actually today, is Tuesday, December 14th as we speak. It's closing in on 7.30 p.m. Central. The early signing period starts tomorrow, Wednesday, December 15th, and a large percentage of high school seniors signing letters of intent will sign on the dotted line tomorrow uh, rather than, like in the old days, the traditional February signing period. And what this has done is it has expedited the timeline on which college football coaches are fired and hired. Because of this um, early signing period, which I think will be adjusted, perhaps I've heard some talk, it'll be adjusted one month back to January. But I think with this December signing period, schools feel the need, and perhaps rightfully so, to preserve this year's recruiting class, again, which mostly signs in December, uh, and the 
to preserve that class, you know, that class, the ultimate result is that coaches are fired and hired somewhat earlier on average uh, than in the old days when high school coaches or high school recruits rather signed in February. And I think the hiring process, the time, you know, which schools spend vetting candidates and, and undergoing the process, I think that's become tightened too because of this early signing period. I think they're in more of a hurry. They've got to get it done quickly. They want the new man to be in place so that recruits can see who the new coach will be and who will be guiding the program uh, that they will be playing for. So I'm a handicapper. You know, I'm a better. So what does all this mean to me? What it means is, as far as all these coaching changes, is that more teams have interim lame duck coaches, if you will, in the bowl games. And some even have reduced staffs because the former head coach who's going to a new school, he's taking some of those assistants with him to greener, and I do mean greener, pastures. You have in bowl games some teams that are a little bit depleted in the staff. You might have a, a coach calling plays who has never called plays before. You'll have grad assistants who are grad assistants, but now they're coaching the wide receivers or the secondary or whatever the case might be. And then you're also going to have an interim head coach who in many cases perhaps never been a head coach at this level of football, and he's in charge of the entire production. Uh, Some schools, you know, facing this type of scenario uh, do better than others, but obviously this is generally not the team you want to be backing with your hard-earned pre-tax dollars, uh, as Doug Kazarian of ESPN's Daily Wager might say. I heard Doug say that one time, and it stuck with me, uh, wagering your hard-earned pre-tax dollars. So if you're betting, you know, college football bowl games is critical to understand each team's coaching situations, uh, situation, which teams might be adversely affected by changeover, And it's not the, you know, I don't want to say it's the entire handicapping puzzle, but it's at least a part of the process. It's at least a piece of the pie. And now to the newly minted or at least relatively newly minted additions to our vocabulary, the transfer portal and players opting out. Or in the case of the the latter, more accurately, electing not to play in their school's bowl game for whatever reason. You know, first of all, I'll start out by acknowledging that the transfer portal, it is absolutely overwhelming. Uh, It's almost impossible to keep up with all the activity here in mid-December in the portal. But I think it's at least important to have a grip on the most impactful entries, you know, the quarterbacks. Uh, You've got Keaton Slovis is now in the uh, portal, um, Trying to think of some of the recent decisions. Spencer Rattler yesterday on December 13th uh, and uh, his tight end at Oklahoma, Austin Stogner, they decided to transfer to, to South Carolina. You've got a lot of people uh, who are, are moving in that portal and a lot of quarterbacks even. And, of course, the quarterbacks, it's, it's not only the glamour position, but it's the most critical position uh, in handicapping. It certainly is. You know, you have a team that has a strong quarterback, versus a team that has an inexperienced quarterback uh, who hasn't played and all other things being equal, 
uh, the team with the experienced quarterback might be a touchdown or more better than the team with the inexperienced quarterback uh, who has either not played much or maybe not played all that well when he has played. Uh, so you, you've got to, you, you know, you've got to have at least somewhat of a feel for the portal. The main players who are going in and where they are ending up and so forth and so on. Looking at that portal, uh, just yesterday or the day before, uh, Texas A&M quarterback Zach uh, Calzada, he started 10 games this year, I believe, for the Aggies. Uh, he's entered the portal. Uh, he won't play in the Aggies' bowl game against Wake Forest. Uh, and their original starter and the opener this year, Haynes King, uh, he's still recovering from a broken ankle. And uh, it would seem unlikely, although he's apparently running some in practice, it would seem to me highly unlikely that the Aggies would play Haynes King in a bowl game with relatively low stakes. So A&M, what does it mean? a and likely going to start a walk-on at quarterback against Wake Forest of the ACC. That's fairly significant. Then you look at players opting out. You look at Purdue, who plays Tennessee in a bowl game in Nashville, Tennessee, and Purdue's top players. These guys are going to probably be both drafted uh, in the top two, certainly the top three rounds of the NFL draft in April. Purdue's top two players. They're top players on offense. They're top player on offense, rather. They're top player on defense. Both have indicated they're turning pro. Both have indicated they won't play in the bowl game. Those players being wide receiver David Bell and defensive end George Karloftis. So neither Bell or Karloftis will play in the bowl game against Tennessee. And as far as players opting out and significant players, big-time players, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, now to this week's plug uh, for uh, Paul Stone Sports. I'm going to keep it uh, simple. I'm, I'm not going to complicate it or, or muddy up the waters. I'm just going to talk about uh, the facts and the records. Uh, Paul Stone Sports, 50-38 and 38 this season against the spread in college football. 36-24 and 24 against the spread so far this season in college basketball. Uh, hardly anybody chooses to be monitored by a legitimate, true third party. Uh, but I always have been. And always will be, as long as I'm in this business, I think it's very important. I'm monitored by the uh, highly respected sports monitor of Oklahoma City. So my record combined against the spread this season in college football and college basketball, 86-62 and 62 against the spread, uh, legitimate 58%. I saw a guy earlier this, this fall uh, in a sports book there in Las Vegas, and he indicated, you know, he really, really liked my approach, really liked my demeanor. Uh, but he would never, as he put it, pay for picks. And, you know, I understand, you know, in general, uh, I agree with that. You know, it's absolutely a good general approach. But it provides, you know, no room for the exception to the rule. You know, no no leeway. Um, and, you know, people uh, people can do their own examination. They can do their own introspective look uh, at their habits and their results. Uh, but I think just about anybody would be well served uh, to uh, have access to someone who produces those kind of results this season and has, and has produced those kind of results really the last six or seven years. I'm very proud of that. I don't really like to talk about myself, but it's uh, you know kind of part of what I do. So uh, I, I'm proud of the. I put a lot of work into it. I put a lot of effort, uh, countless hours. Don't sleep a whole lot during the football season. 
and uh, really enjoy what I do. And I try to keep my prices right, my price point, just $169 for my college football bowl package starting this Friday, December 17th, all the way through the national championship game, and only $329 for my college basketball package all the way through the national championship game. Uh, in April in college basketball. So now we're going to go to uh, this week's complimentary selection. The bowl games start on Friday, December 17th, three days from when I'm currently uh, broadcasting on Tuesday, December 14th. I'm going to look at a game being played on Saturday, December 18th, the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. That's going to feature Eastern Michigan of the Mid-American Conference and Independent Liberty uh, which is coached by former uh, Ole Miss coach Hugh Freeze. Uh, looking at Liberty, uh, you know, they, they went 10-1 and one last season. It's fair to say that this season, however, that quarterback Malik Willis uh, and the Flames did not meet expectations. Uh, Willis did appear a few days ago at the bowl game press conference. Uh, that would seem to indicate, in my mind, that the Auburn transfer intends to play in the bowl game. But still, again, you have to ask yourself, how excited will Liberty be to place Eastern Michigan of the Mid-American Conference in the Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama? You look on Eastern Michigan's side of the ledger, uh, the Eagles 7-5 and five this season straight up. Do you know the last time Eastern Michigan finished a season more than one game above 500? If you answered 1989, more than 30 years ago, you were correct. Uh, meanwhile, Eastern Michigan's head coach, Chris Creighton, 7-2 and two against the spread as a double-digit underdog since early in 2016. Eastern Michigan currently only getting 9.5 points, but they might go back up to a double-digit underdog, so we're close. But I think that does have some uh, value, some credence when you evaluate and handicap uh, this particular game. Also important to note, I believe, the Eagles, Eastern Michigan, trying to win eight games in a season for the first time since 1987. I think the Eagles going to have all hands on deck. They're getting nine and a half points against Liberty. I think they've got a chance to even win the game, take Eastern Michigan, maybe wait around for that, nine, uh, for that 10 points because until it gets down to seven, there's really not a whole lot of difference between nine and a half down to seven and a half don't have a whole lot of eight and nine point decisions in college football. Maybe wait on that 10 a little bit, but ultimately take Eastern Michigan plus the points this Saturday over Liberty. Well, that does it for episode 30 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast, Bowling for Dollars. Hope everybody who does participate in wagering on the bowl games ends up after the national championship game with more dollars than they started. That's obviously the, uh, the goal. It's all about cashing tickets. It's all about making uh, making money. It doesn't matter about liens, about what you told somebody. It's all about uh, getting to the window and uh, putting 11 to get 10 and hopefully returning back to pick up 21. Hope everybody has a great uh, Christmas holiday. Again, we're, we're closing in tonight, Tuesday, December 14th. A lot of you will be traveling. Uh, travel safely. I uh, hope you get to see, again, uh, some people maybe that you don't get to see that often that are close to you, whether that be family or friends. Uh, may your travels be safe. Uh, may your visits be fruitful, the time spent with those loved ones. 
Thank you for listening. I can't believe we're already to episode 30. Uh, Seems like we just started yesterday. This is a labor of love. Until next time, signing off, I am Paul Stone. Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions. 